Hi friends, I'm your host Jody, and welcome to Project Friend Community Pods. Our community pod allows us to connect, inspire, grow together. Today I'm joined by Dr. Stephanie Carinia, a clinical psychologist with 13 years experience who specializes in identity and trauma. Good morning, hi. Hi Brody, good morning. Nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. So you're in Amsterdam, correct? Amsterdam, yes. Okay, we're actually in the same time zone. I'm also in the Netherlands. But you don't sound like you're from Holland. No, I'm not. I'm Zimbabwean, South African. So I sometimes wonder like how on earth I got here. But yes. By the way, I've also lived for three years in Cape Town. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah, I lived a few years in Cape Town as well. Amazing place. It is, yeah. South Africa in general is a, is a very beautiful and historic place. It's got that wild nature to it. I think it's the mountains. I seriously miss the mountains. Me too. Not much mountains in Holland, right? <laughs> no, there's like a one degree incline that I cycle and I like post it. And I'm like, you, you should be grateful. This is the only hill in Groningen. You know, show some respect. One degree is better than zero degrees. Yeah, exactly. So I should feel more appreciative. And sometimes when I'm like huffing and puffing up a one degree hill, I forget. I'll try to remember. Thank you so much for agreeing to just have this little recording with me. I've been really looking forward to it. Cool. Me too. So the term gaslighting was derived from a film set in 1944 called Gaslight. And the film is about a husband who tries to convince his wife that she's mentally unwell so that he can steal from her. And the name derived from the fact that every time that he would go into the attic of her big house to look for her jewels and treasures, the lights in the house would dim. And every time the wife would ask him why the lights in the house are dimming, he would deny that they are. And this started to question her reality of what she was experiencing. Now, back in the day, they had actual gaslights, and that's why the term is called gaslighting. So today we will be discussing, does it take two to gaslight, which I think is quite controversial. When you suggested it, I read it and I was like, oh, definitely not. That's, I, I wasn't to blame. It wasn't me. And then I sat there for a hot minute and it really actually got me thinking about the accountability of the parts that I played in a very uncomfortable situation that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. People who have experienced gaslighting, we always think it's we're a little bit of the victim in this in the story and it's someone else's fault someone's done this to us so i'd love today to delve into the topic of what gaslighting is what does it look like how does it affect us and also most importantly does it take two to do it yes so the first question i'd love to ask is can we can you define what gaslighting is and how does it differ from other forms of man manipulation yeah and from emotional abuse other forms exactly other forms. Yes. yeah so um, gaslighting is a, a psychological manipulation uh, in which the abuser attempts to sort self-doubt and confusion uh, over the victim's mind. The purpose is to make the victim doubt themselves. It's meant to exert power and control and to force to question their own judgment and their intuition. Okay. So the difference with normal someone accusing you or blaming you or is upset with you, angry with you. The difference is, is that person might criticize your behavior, but they won't make you question your own judgment and your intuition. That's really boundary crossing that goes way further and has a totally different purpose. That's why it's not a single event. 
That's why it doesn't happen with two people who don't really know each other. Often it happens within a relationship, if it's with a coworker, if it's uh, so with an employee, or is it with your partner, or with a friend, or with your parent, uh, because it's a long-term strategy to make you lose your mind, basically. What does the manipulator or abuser, what do they gain from actually trying to get you to question your own reality? What is the purpose of it? Great question, because we don't often ask that question. We hear a lot about gaslighting but no, or emotional abuse, but nobody asks, why would someone do that, right? Yeah. Why would you feel the need? Yeah. What is the point? What are you getting out of it by making me question my own reality? So with a single event, doesn't matter because nothing will change. With a single event, you won't lose your mind on the long term. If I make you judge, question yourself, feel confused, it won't have a huge impact. But if I would be in a relationship with you, for instance, and I would do it systematically, at some point, what will happen is that you will really not trust your own judgment. You won't trust yourself and you will also lose often your self-esteem. When we don't have that anymore, it's like literally being disabled, meaning what do they get out of that? You losing yourself and your power. You rely 100% only on them, meaning you cannot leave them because that's their fear. That is so interesting. So their ultimate goal is to gain power and control over you. I suppose if they control the narrative, then in their mind that they can never be hurt or betrayed because they're controlling all of this, every situation. Yes, yes. Let me put it another way. Suppose that you have might have a low self-worth or self-esteem issues. For instance, with the codependent people, dependent people, they might not feel the most confident, self-confident people in the world. But there is a minimum amount of internal security, internal trust that the other person, if they like them, won't necessarily leave them. These people often believe, perhaps because of childhood, I call it sometimes hidden trauma, that it's not necessarily obvious. They were left to their own devices as a young child. So the message they received, I'm not lovable enough to get the care. They were abandoned in a way as a child. So they grow up believing I'm not worthy enough for someone to stay with me. So I better control them to make sure that they won't leave me. Otherwise, they will leave me. That is so interesting because um, as you've been describing it, I feel a bit sad for them. Yeah. A bit yeah. sorry for them. And here's me sympathizing with a manipulative form of abuse. But that is a little bit sad in the sense that somebody is so terrified that they need to control all and every situation so that they never feel something that they experienced as a child. Yes, to fear the abandonment, yes. It is very tragic, actually. Do you think that people who gaslight other people, do you think that they know that they do it consciously? Or is this an unconscious thing that they don't even realize that they're operating out of? Yeah, this is such a tough question. Yeah. I would say it's somewhere in the middle. Okay. And I'm going to explain to you why. Many people say often that this is narcissistic people who do it. Is it necessarily the case? And there's many narcissistic people who don't do it. What they say is that a narcissist, or in this case, the specific gaslighters, know exactly what they're doing. Uh, and that I, I believe at least on a cognitive level. So we have cognitive empathy to be able to push someone's buttons. We need to have cognitive empathy. We need to understand what makes their clock tick and what the insecurities are. Often they lack emotional empathy to understand what the impact is of how they make the other person feel, which 
don't forget, is very hard. The reason you and I, assuming that we both have a decent amount of emotional empathy, and assuming that you don't hurt often people on purpose, me yeah. neither. I definitely hurt people, necess not necessarily on purpose. But we do so because there's a natural break. Because we can imagine the pain we're causing to someone by making them feel insecure. It doesn't feel good. We don't yeah. want to leave the other person feeling bad about themselves. We've experienced it ourselves, and I know how unpleasant it is. Why would I necessarily want to put someone through something that I know it feels extremely uncomfortable? I spoke once to someone, and he explained such a situation in which he was conflicted. His girlfriend, he had a fight with his girlfriend, and she literally asked him, do you care about me? Would you, would you mind if I would break up? Does it even hurt you? Do, am I important to you? Because you come across so aloof as if you don't care. I just want to know, am I, does it all count to you or, or what? Which is a very fair and genuine question, right? Yeah. She was trying to connect and be vulnerable. And he said to me, you know what? At that moment, I wanted, my answer was, yes, I'm terrified of you leaving. But I couldn't because that would be much too weak. So I just ridiculed her or I made an excuse or I made her say that she was overreacting. And that was his response because deep inside, he felt too insecure. And I said to him, what, what would the problem be if you would be honest to her? I said, yeah, actually, I'm afraid that you will leave and I would miss our relationship. What, why, what was withholding you to say that? And he said, I don't know, perhaps in the past, I was so, things were uh, held against me by my parents. and I. I'm afraid she will hold it against me. So there's also a distrust towards the other person that they will abandon them again. It all just kind of cycles back to the fact that they can't trust you or open up enough to be themselves and be vulnerable so that they need to manipulate you to stay with them in a sense. It's twofold. It's that exactly. So they would need to develop trust in the other person, but also to start self-loving. Because if we really believe that nobody wants to be with us, we're going to expect them that not, they don't want to be with us. That's true. That's very, very true. What are some common signs that someone is being gaslighted? So in myself, if I'm in a relationship, and is there any like little symptoms that I can go, oh my goodness, that kind of sounds like me and what I'm experiencing? You need to always check, does this person leave me feeling empowered? or insecure systematically okay i love that could you also uh, like say confused in a sense confused yes what you will notice at some point going in the relationship you will feel drained and there's a reason for that with emotional abuse in general the purpose is to extract your power for them that's the safe way they need to take your power away for you to rely on them so Examples might be, for instance, a promotion coming up and you're excited about that. Then they might make a remark. It sounds like a great job. I'm not sure if you're up for that task though. These are subtle things. They're not saying something necessarily mean, right? They're even giving a compliment. Wow, what a great job. This is the good guy gaslighter, for instance, who would always be the supportive one, but he instills doubts. Underhandedly. Yes. And all these small things, it would leave you feeling a little bit confused instead of empowered, right? I doubt myself subtly in a sense that it's not, he's not doubting me overtly, 
but it's like an underhanded way for me to be like, maybe I actually can't do the job. Maybe I shouldn't actually apply for that promotion. Yeah. Or another uh, way is isolation is, of course, in general, also an abuse tactic to isolate you because then at some point you will only rely on them. That's the point. And by isolating, you're not in touch anymore with your family and friends that much. They won't be able to tell you, is he healthy for you? It sounds as if he's not that good. For, I'm not sure, but I don't see you this happy anymore. So by isolating you, they will make sure that you won't hear these things. Or another control tactic would be if they cannot isolate you from your family and friends. It's very simple. There's a new trick. What is it? The new trick is we're going to discredit your family uh, and friends. So whatever they say, it will be yeah. bullshit. You can only rely on me. I know for myself, because I've experienced, I think, gaslighting. And um, it used to leave me feeling extremely angry, like excessive mm. amounts of mm. rage. I knew I was being gaslit, but no one else believed me about the situation. Every time I confronted the person, they denied their actions flat out. And it was so blatantly obvious to me, but no one else would believe me, that I just spent, I think it was months in rage, pure burning rage. Absolutely. And what's the interesting part with what you're describing now is that it made you feel angry. Yes. So you were not necessarily already identifying with the gaslight. That's very interesting. So angry means that you were still in, in touch with your intuition. Yeah. And then I think it went from anger to self-doubt. And then I, I fell into quite a bad depression, which I think is the natural progression because at some point, if no one else believed me, then maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was imagining this and maybe it was all in my mind. And I think that's where it went from just someone being very manipulative to me actually now starting to believe the things that they were saying to me. Exactly. So you're describing this, the three stages of gaslighting. The first stage is disbelief. Yeah. You're like, what? An example would be you're going out with your partner and they say, hey, you were flirting with that person. And you were like, huh? Me? <laughs> yeah, because you generally didn't have the intention to flirt. You talk to some other person, but doesn't automatically mean that you're flirting. I don't understand where that person's coming, coming from. And that's it. You leave it there. Then the second phase is that you start to self-doubt. Was I perhaps actually flirting? Perhaps I was a little bit too nice. What the gaslighter suggests, making assumptions about your motivations. So then you start doubting your own motivations. So that's already when you start doubting your self-judgment. But then you still have self-judgment. So that's still good. But then at some point when it progresses and you start losing your self-judgment, you start believing them over you systematically. Then you get into the depressed phase because then you're, I call it psychologically disabled or incapacitated. Yeah. And that is a dangerous place to be because then you fully, fully gave away your power and you fully rely on them. Do you think that um, this is kind of like a strategy that cults use to kind of indoctrinate people? Yeah. There's like a lot of things on Netflix about different cults that have popped up out of the woodworks over the years. Sitting in retrospect with somebody who's obviously just watching a TV show, you look at them and go, how, how could you not see that? Yes. Like... You're just a normal person. And yet at some point they get you to do the most horrendous things 
Yes. And believe in the most strangest things. Yes. And you just sit there and go, I don't really get how this happened. Exactly. I think that's a very good example. Didn't think of it. But yes, if you're systematically told when, when you're feeling your boundary, your intuition, right? You're feeling your boundary and they're telling you to cross that boundary, to do things that you don't feel comfortable with, which we might believe is boundary crossing behavior. But then if they might say, now you're too much attached to your ego, you need to let go. If they say that systematically, I can imagine that you will start downing yourself. Yeah. Am I egotistical? Is this all me? And then you just lose yourself in someone else's manipulation. Mm -hmm. So we've discussed the manipulator being manipulated. But can you tell if, if you are the actual person manipulating someone else? I really appreciate this question because we so often focus on the victims and don't yeah. get me wrong it's essential for us to be able to protect ourselves self-empowerment also to look at our own behavior and how we're disempowering ourselves by gaslighting other people yeah so i would say there's many people who have the fear of abandonment there's many people who feel worthless and are afraid that person their, their partner will leave but not every person also has the need to actually go to these great lengths to make the other person unhappy and psychologically disable them that is a whole different ball game with a regular fear of abandonment perhaps more uh, manipulation tactics would be like i can't live without you if you leave i'm going to hurt myself which is of course also a form of abuse because you cannot you're hijacking the other person right yeah it's a direct threat i'm not excusing that i don't think that's okay to do yeah but at least this person is not trying to take away their psychological functions to make them doubt themselves, to not trust themselves anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah, to basically incapacitate them. When we are gaslighting, so minimizing the other person's experience, an example could be, for instance, the good guy gaslighter who has this identity. Uh, they need to be good, the good guy or the good girl, to be worthy when as a child, for instance, by their mom, they were only loved when they were doing exactly as the mom pleased, being the good son or daughter. And when they weren't, they were just natural children having a tantrum like any other children. They would be punished or silent treated. So they had to develop an identity that believes that they are good. A great example of the good guy gaslighter is suppose you come home from work and you're very tired, and your partner offers you, you know what, I'm going to give you a relaxing massage. And you really appreciate it because you love a massage, but somehow now you just feel to have a nice bath, and that's it. So the good guy gaslighter might become upset. How dare you? You're so ungrateful. You are refusing me my offer. And so that person ends up feeling guilty and doubting themselves. Oh my God, I'm so ungrateful. I should be wanting this. So they end up leaving, feeling confused, unhappy, unsatisfied. They did something wrong because that's actually the good guy gaslighters need. It wasn't to help the partner. It was yeah. for them to keep their image of being the good guy. And then at some point they might understand and they might confront the good guy gaslighters. And, and when they were called out by it or the partner feels upset and or perhaps starts crying and say, listen, this makes me feel unhappy. I don't feel comfortable with this. I feel that I'm all the time being ungrateful. Well, I don't feel that it's about my needs. It's, it's, there's something not going well here. Yeah. 
So the problem is the good guy gaslighter might become triggered by that because what they hear with their low self-worth and they need to be the good guy is you are failing. You are not good. And there's too little self-worth to be able to hold that. So what would that happen? They would up the gaslighting. You are overreacting. You are ungrateful. Every woman would be happy with having me as a husband. And now you're only complaining. So they upping the gaslighting, the abuse. They double down on it because they can't handle it. Yeah. I'd love to talk about, do you think that the term gaslighting gets used a bit too loosely in today's society? It's almost become a bit of like a buzzword. It's a bit popular and it gets thrown around. You see it in TikTok, Instagram and stuff like that. I've seen it also like people just having a disagreement of opinions and then someone will throw, oh, you gaslighting me or if you confront someone with their own actions, they will just throw, oh, you gaslighting me. Do you think it's just become a bit too usefully used today? Yes, I think so. I hear this often and so with the, with the disagreements and so because it can be hard to distinguish, in general, people need to understand gaslighting is when, when someone systematically is making an effort for you on the long term okay. to lose your mind. In general, when, when, when you have a discussion and someone, your partner excuse, accuses you of something and you just say, no, it wasn't that bad. Perhaps then I'm self-defending. Perhaps I should say, I don't believe it's that yeah. bad. Uh, it was that bad. And I have the right to believe it wasn't that bad. Yeah. That doesn't automatically mean that I'm implying you are losing your mind. You are a little bit crazy for thinking yeah. that. That is something different. I think that everybody views experiences differently. So say you and I can have the exact same experience and walk away with two different perceptions about what actually happened. I might have had a terrible time. You might have had a great time, but we experienced the same thing. And then you and I have a conversation about it. And then there's a big disparity between what I perceived and what you perceived. And I think that's when a lot of times people throw around the term, oh, you gaslighting me because you're trying to convince me that what I experienced was wrong because it wasn't what you experienced and I think in that sense it's not necessarily gaslighting it's just a difference of opinions and when we throw the term gaslighting around I think that it doesn't really allow people to have the open discussion of different opinions and different experiences because now if you tell me that I'm gaslighting you I'm going to get massively defensive and what has become a difference of opinions is now turned into an accusation and an argument. Yes, yes, yes. And I think it's not about your reality, my reality. In, the, in, really, in real communication, it's often about being able to validate each other's experience and still agreeing to disagree. So try to figure out, is the other person simply to try to defend themselves? Or are they actually trying to make you, you know not trust yourself that's different a classic gaslighting uh, example would be you are cheating on me which we don't know with other unless you have literally evidence but often this is just thrown around and this is interesting you know the reason why this is said often has nothing to do about assuming that the other person is uh, cheating on them often it can be projections of their own behavior that they cannot handle okay or even more interesting, a, a classical emotional abuse strategy 
is to get you on the defensive. Why? Because that's the best distraction of questioning their abusive actions. So they make you the abuser. So you have to defend yourself to them, but they're the ones who's actually doing it to you. Because then you go into the, what? But you know that I love you. And then all these coming days and weeks, you will be focusing on what did I do to give them that, that oppression? So you don't have access anymore to your own emotions because you're hijacked by defending yourself. Uh, you're not even looking to what they're doing that might be wrong. So they're off the hook. They basically, you're so concerned about how you made them feel that you're not concerned about how you are feeling in the situation at all. Yes, yes. If you're often on the defensive, that is a sign that you might be dealing with not a mature person, but someone who has an agenda and is unable to have an equal relationship. They need to have you on the defensive. So if you notice that you are trying to prove yourself all the time, I am good. I do love you. I, I am trustworthy. I am. If you're a lot in that state, you're not dealing with a healthy partner. Do you have some coping strategies for dealing with external gaslighting? Yes. It's all about identifying the tactics. The best thing ever is, of course, tapping into your intuition. What does this feel like? The anger that you were tapping into. That's gold. Because it says a lot. It says, I am unhappy with what's going on here. There might be something that's not going right here, right? It's yeah. a message. Uh, emotions are the messages from our soul, from our authentic self. So we need to listen to them. The problem with people with who are being gaslighted, or often they have been gaslighted as a child, emotionally abused, they have already disconnected from their inner GPS. They don't feel. The first thing that would be important is to start reconnecting to your emotions. When someone is invalidating what you're saying or saying that was not true, you need to tap into what does this feel like? How do I feel treated at this point? Would a caring partner talk to me that way? It's like learning to trust yourself again, in a sense, which is counterintuitive because gaslighting is exactly that. They're trying to get you to not trust yourself, but to trust them. I'm glad that you bring this up. Don't go to your mind, please. Because your mind is hostaged already by them. Yeah. <laughs> because it might be too late already, your mind. Um, you might already believe them. But you're feeling usually... It feels nice when someone is talking respectfully to you. Even if you did something wrong, they might criticize you, but they might say, hey, this hurt me. I didn't like what you did to me. But it feels as it is in a loving way. It's not in a, you uh, have bad intentions. You are trying to this, you are flirting. That doesn't feel good. So if you're able to, to at least tap in and feel, check in regularly, does this make me feel loved, um, appreciated? Is it constructive feedback? Or does this make me just feel insecure and bad about myself? If you can do that already, you might be reconnecting to your inner GPS, which can help you to get out at some point. That's a great tip to like learn how to trust the way that you're feeling again. To add to the, what we were just saying, I always say we're healed from gaslighting when we're able to agree to disagree. Oh, I love that. So when they're saying you're flirting, you're cheating, you can say, yes, you've said that already a couple of times before. 
I've heard it already. I don't really dis uh, really agree. But if, if that's your narrative and you would like to, you want to hold on to that, be my guest. Love it. It's so interesting because it's sometimes like people who can't agree to disagree that they will do everything in their power to be right. It could be also the end of that type of gaslighting because you, you're not giving fuel anymore. There's no fuel. So it will end. Yeah. They're not getting the, what they actually need from you at the end of the day. Um, so we've spoken a lot about external gaslighting being gaslit. I think that's the correct term. But we can also gaslight ourselves. And I think this is absolutely fascinating. So can you just explain that a little bit? Yes, the self-gaslighting. Self-gaslighting is when we start doubting ourselves or minimizing our own experience. You could call it cognitive dissonance. For instance, you feel someone didn't treat you right. Um, and instead of being true to yourself, validating your experience and saying hey I know what I heard and that hurts and I didn't like that yeah that's your internal dialogue you stay true to yourself to your inner GPS your intuition that's it what can happen when you were systematically invalidated as a child or gaslighted as a child you might you might self-gaslight and respond with I'm sure she didn't mean it that way she had a difficult day. So then you're excusing their boundary crossing behavior towards you. So and what is the problem when we do this? The problem is that every time we're self-gaslighting or we're gaslighted by ourselves or by others, we are invalidating uh, our inner child. That's so interesting. So normally, if you would have a little child, you would stand up for the child, right? If the child would be attacked by the grandma, you are ungrateful, you're being rude, you're for setting a healthy boundary, you would say, hey, wait a minute, don't talk to this child like this. This is not fair. The child didn't mean it that way. Don't do that. You know, you would protect, right? Yeah, you would. Normally we do that with ourselves. If we were protected as a child, we will also say, hey, or at least internally, we will have a dialogue that says, hey, this is not okay. That's not cool. So we're really self-abandoning and losing ourselves more and more. We're losing, we're getting removed from our core every time we do that. So is there a particular reason like why we do it? Also a good question, because the why really helps us understand where, where it comes from and what the function is. Why do we do it? Okay, so you've heard of the fight, flight, freeze response? Yes. So we have the fight, flight, freeze, and the fawn response. So when as a child, um, we felt that we didn't have, we couldn't stand up for ourselves. We had a need, but our parent wasn't able to give that to us or became angry or whatever. At some point, we decided we need to fawn, adjust to please, just pleasing. It's the pleasing response. Okay. So the purpose is that a child needs to maintain the connection with the parent. Otherwise, we have a problem. So we need to be liked by the parent. And when parents would withhold their love, you know, the silent treatment or punishing, etc., for your natural needs, you were emotionally abandoned systematically 
So they lose the connection, which is it's a traumatic experience for a child. Yeah, it is. So self-gaslighting could have been an attempt and is often an attempt fear losing the connection. Yeah, and I will people please. And then the, if the problem's always me, then no one will ever leave me because yes. I'm to blame, but I can fix it. And don't beat yourself up when you're doing this because this was what got you through childhood. So this is a great survival mechanism. I think we always need to be very respectful towards our defense mechanisms. Yeah, like fear. And, and people pleasing at all these things really got us through childhood. But now we're safe to slowly also reconnect to our inner child and to ourself, develop ourself and have healthy interdependent relationships. Do you have some strategies for coping with self-gaslighting? In general, it is every time you notice that you don't take what you're feeling seriously, when you're minimizing your needs, when you're excusing someone else's behavior, all these, these things to become more to observe these th thoughts. And yeah. don't be afraid. Many people are afraid to observe this. Try exploring with yourself. You don't need to discuss this with anyone to at least get in touch with your anger emotion, the annoyance, the frustration. If you can already do that, just like you felt anger, remember? Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing because you felt comfortable feeling that anger. Anger is your self-protective emotion. It's your self-worth emotion. And you don't necessarily have to act, out, act on it. You don't have necessarily to set boundaries already because that's already a different ballgame. For some people, that's terrifying. You don't even, even need to do that. But if you can already connect to all your responses, not only the fun, pleasing response, but also to the fight response, anger, then you are connecting and developing your sense of self. I absolutely love, love that suggestion I feel like I'm saying negative emotions air bunny quotes but negative emotions like anger irritation and that are seen as bad things that we should overcome and I'm like the firm believer that they are massively massively important mm -hmm. and sometimes I feel like there's quite a lot of toxic positivity thrown around social media where it's try to get over your anger and you just want to overcome this and it's like these are things to connect to. These are things to experience. They're not always something to fix. And the fact that you said connect with your anger, get angry, to feel safe enough in yourself to feel those emotions is such a great suggestion. I really love that. So I have no more questions for you. And I have absolutely loved this interview. I feel so much more enlightened by it. And I know that all of our followers are going to be as well. But I would just like to ask what forms of help or services that you offer. And if anyone wants to find you, where can they find you and connect with you? So I, you can find me on Instagram, Psychologist Stephanie, as well as on Facebook, a Psychologist Stephanie as well. And my website, psychologiststephanie.com. You can find there two courses I offer. One is the free inner healing course. Oh, that's amazing. So do you have any final words or final thoughts just to end off this conversation about gaslighting oh I'm really sorry 
I don't think we've actually discussed why does it take two to gaslight? And that's the whole time, <laughs> the whole topic of the podcast. And here we are, just like scooched over it. Yeah. And let's make that exactly my final words. Why does it take two to gaslight? I posted once on this and I got a lot of hate mail, I imagine. Hate comments, definitely. Yes. Victim blaming, etc. Actually, it is victim empowering because gaslighting is projective identification. I project something on you, you are flirting, and it can only be gaslighting as soon as with someone identifies with that projection. It's two ingredients, and the one ingredient comes from you. Does it mean that you are at fault? It's your problem. You caused it. Not at all. These are unconscious processes. You have no idea that you've been gaslighted. But it does mean that when you do the inner work of trusting yourself more, and you will be able to allow the gaslighter to disapprove of you, which for people with low self-worth and the pleasing and always depending on the other person liking them will be very hard. If you can get to the place of saying, listen, perhaps then, then I'm not the perfect person that you believe and I'm not the perfect girlfriend and I'm very sorry about that. And then you allow them to be upset with you or disapprove of you. You're not gaslighted anymore. You're free. It's so true. Because when you suggested the topic of gaslighting, I, I will admit I was like oh, a little bit shocked. And it did take me about two minutes to realize that I was gaslighted, gaslit, but I wouldn't have been in that situation if I didn't allow it to have happened. And it was quite a strange moment because it was like the first time I was confronted with my own culpability in a problem that I really struggled with. But if this person was gaslighting me and I said, absolutely not, and I was strong enough and self-assured enough in myself to be like, just irrefutably, no, it wouldn't have been gaslighting. And it is, it's not to say that I was to blame because you can't gaslight someone if they don't let you at the end of the day. Exactly. Absolutely. Love this conversation. Thank you so much for taking an hour out of your time to sit down with me. I really appreciate it. I think we did a really good job discussing the topic from different perspectives. I yeah. think so too. I think that yeah. we covered it quite nicely from everyone's kind of point of view. Yes. And I loved your questions. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Yes. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.